Welcome to the 2R1 Podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. It's been a while since we've been together, but Elisa's back from Africa. And next time we do a podcast, she will tell us about that. But this week we'll be back in Mark chapter 2. Then we're going to discuss an article about the newest Avengers movie with a close sister in Christ of ours. So uh, sit back, enjoy the ride, and we will see you in just a bit. been a while baby it's good to be back it's good to be back elisa has been traveling all over the world and then just had all kinds of stuff going on life has just been happening and we haven't mm-hmm. been able to to get together for about a month mm-hmm. i was wanting to do another podcast while you were in africa but i quickly realized that um, well, you did you did you well i was going to do two oh. and the second one i realized that i was starting to get too busy and neglect <laughs> our kids in the it's hard school. single parenting you it did is. a great job there twice the work <laughs> but anyway next week we plan on uh, elisa kind of giving us her testimony um about her uganda trip and we hope to speak with a friend of ours from uganda to kind of give us his story and uh, so that'll be next week this week we uh, we tackled a question we got from a viewer which we'll get to and later in the broadcast we're, we're at the beach right now we're doing this from the beach yes cool. we are sitting in beach chairs uh, in our room, in our mm-hmm. little condo, and uh, hopefully we have everything we need, hopefully. So I could have taken all this to Africa. You could have. Mm. You couldn't have taken me, though. Well, <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day. Anyway, um, Elisa, we're going to be back in Mark chapter 2. If you want to read that section, then we can get okay. going. All right, Mark 2, um, verses 18 through 22. It says, Now, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why did John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for bringing us here together. We thank you for the opportunity to just read your word, Lord. We thank you that you speak to us through it. Father, as we go and dig deep, we just pray that you reveal yourself to us. Holy Spirit, teach us and guide us. And we ask that you bless all those that are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So this scripture right here, I have read this over and over during this interim. And I think that God... Well, I know that God is sovereign, and I know that He had this in His plan that we were going to take this little bit of a hiatus from the podcast. And I've I've kind of seen over the years how some scripture can be 
so seemingly obvious and easy to me, but to someone else, they're like, I really wrestled with the scripture. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, I, it's simple. Why would you wrestle with that scripture? But it's just different people and the way God speaks to them in different mm-hmm. ways. So I literally, well, not literally, I have honestly wrestled with the scripture for the last three or four weeks, um, part in part to try and understand it, in part to uh, apply it, um, just all different kinds of ways. I mean that the word fasting does not not hold the same connotation that it used to in general. Mm-hmm. So I think that's there's some we cool, don't understand like what we most people. I would yeah, say. there's some cool. Um, there's some cool stories around this whole situation, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, at the beginning of this little section, um, the Pharisees, you know, are constantly coming to Jesus, asking questions, not from a desire to learn, but a desire to poke holes in who he was in his character. And we know that. They were not his friend. They you know, very few of them actually wanted to learn from him. Nicodemus being really the only one that Scripture talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, it is interesting though that I did. I read um, some study notes somewhere. Someone pointed out that previously um, they would always ask the disciples about Jesus's behavior, and now they're finally asking Jesus about his disciples' behavior. And during this custom, and this is really good for you and I a teacher was held responsible for their students' behaviors. Mm, Which is what the government says now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's I'm not saying I completely agree with that. But here's what I like about that, is that they're acknowledging Jesus as a teacher. Mm, (laughs) Whether they realize it or not, they're they're saying, okay, he is a teacher. They're starting to come around at least that fact. So they come to Jesus in this first verse, and they say, and I'll just read you my version. It says, Um, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and they came and asked Jesus why is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast but your disciples don't fast Jesus answered them can wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is still with them as long as they have the bridegroom with them fasting is out of the question so I tried and, like I said, I've wrestled with the scripture and I tried to break it down piece by piece. So when Jesus gives his answer, he gives them an answer with an analogy or a parable to some degree. It's more of an analogy than a parable. And he says, can wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is still with them? And we know in other parts of the scripture that Jesus talks about himself being the bridegroom mm-hmm. and his church, the followers of Jesus worldwide, are the bride. We're the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom, meaning he's the groom. So... Can wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is still with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, fasting is out of the question. Why would fasting be out of the question at a wedding? Well, because a wedding is supposed to be a celebration. It's a joyful occasion. A joyful occasion, a celebration. That's our dogs at the beach with us. You can hear them. (laughs) There may be some more of those curveballs. But... So a wedding, so just him asking the question paints the picture of some obvious facts. And I know I may be saying some things that are elementary, but I'm trying to get to a point. Well, fasting was always used for either mourning or repentance or maybe petitionary. And one of my favorite is, or or preparation. 
But when you're in the middle and the timing is now of a joyful occasion, what you've prayed for has come, that's not when you fast, you know. Yeah. Well, I want to get delve into that some more. Those things that you just said in passing, I kind of want to delve into that a little bit more. All right. Um, so he says, so I know I'm just painting obvious facts. Can wedding guests fast at, at, during a celebration? Uh, as long as the, they have the bridegroom with them, fasting is out of the question because a celebration is not a time for fasting. So if a wedding is a time for celebration and fasting is out of the question, that gives some clues as to what fasting is or was at that time. Now, before I did this laboring over the scripture, I really thought I understood fasting, and I probably still don't understand it like I should and like I will But before Jesus comes back and gets us. But I really wanted to know fasting. I really wanted to understand it. Because when you read the rest of these scriptures, you can kind of see the importance of it. But So I did an in-depth in kind of study into it and just was searching the scriptures and all kinds of things. And God really showed me some stuff. So right here we see that almost fasting is the opposite of celebration. As the, as Jesus uses this analogy, he 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 paints them on two separate sides of the equation. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So then he says, "But the time will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and when that day comes, they will fast." So that sentence tells you that fasting is to help you be close to mm -hmm. Jesus, to be close to the groom, right? So mm -hmm. when you're at the wedding, you're together, you're close. But when he is taken away from us, the closeness is, you know, is changed. We, all of a sudden, he's further away. So then fasting becomes a way to draw us close to God. Mm -hmm. So just by him, his first two sentences in these analogies, we start getting an idea of what fasting is. Um, and then he throws these. These were the two things that really threw a curveball for me. The old and the new. The old and the new. And I feel like I can understand the second analogy or the parable, I guess this analogy, better than the first one. Um, so we'll just read them, and Lisa, you can give me what, what you get from them, then we'll go from there. Uh, it says, no one, so right at the heels of this, he's painted two obvious pictures, you know, fasting is the opposite of celebration, um, and fasting helps us draw near to Jesus. When we're near to him, we don't need to fast, but when we need to draw near is when we fast. So those are kind of what he's painted up until these two analogies. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old coat. If he does, the new patch tears away from the old cloth and leaves a worse hole. So let's deal with that by itself. Well, I don't sew. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why this happened, so I just have to trust that it happens. You can't sew an old garment, you know. You, Taylor does the sewing in our family. Well, I think it's interesting that this particular translation that I'm reading Instead of it saying a new piece of cloth onto an old garment, it says an unshrunk cloth. So, um, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, one of the parts of the, the Levitical law was that the Jews were not to wear mixed fabric clothing. So, um, you know, we have clothing today that's um, polyester and a tri-blend, and those are very resistant to shrinking once they've been washed and dried. But in this time, there's our dog again. In this time, it's actually not our dog. That's my mom's dog barking. But um, if our dog was barking, it would hurt your ears, probably. Yeah. But in, in this time, just like today, if you had a 100% cotton shirt, if you wash it and dry it, it is going to shrink. 
So the idea here is if you have a, a shirt, let's just say a shirt back then that had been washed and dried and it was already shrunk, it wasn't going to shrink anymore. And then you put a piece of new fabric on there that not only was new, but it hasn't, hadn't been shrunk yet. If you put it on there, when it shrinks, it's going to pull inward and stress the edge of yeah. the fabric where it was sewed. It pulls it away. From pulls it. it away from the edges where it was sewed to, which will make it. And the tear. It'll it's tear it pulling, away. It's going to tear. Again. And it's going to leave a larger hole. Hmm. But it really is, at its foundation, uh, an example of talking about old and new. Hmm. You know, something that has been around for a while and used, and then something that is brand new and has not hmm. been used. And he goes from an analogy about present. In future, so an analogy about time, about you know, it's not time to fast now, to the old and new, which I think is it's it's a curveball. Mm -hmm. So that's the first analogy that I really struggled to get my mind around. Um, and then he goes into, and no one puts new wine in old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine is for freshly prepared wine skins. So I understood this one better, and so I would use this one as my point of reference for understanding the one before it. But real quick, we'll talk about wineskins. So some translations right there will say wine bottles. It was actually not a bottle as we know it mm -hmm. to this day. They, they just put wine bottles so that we can understand this analogy better, but it actually breaks down if you start using glass. The reason what, what he's talking about here is, is back in the day, they didn't have containers like we did. So what they did was they took the intestines of a goat, cleaned them, dried them and all that stuff. And they stitched them together and they mm -hmm. made. Yummy. They, yeah. They, <laughs> they stitched them together and made like an animal skin pouch to store wine in. Um, a new animal skin pouch or what they called a wine skin, which was made again from the intestines of a goat. When you put wine in it, even though it, it had already fermented to make alcohol to make wine, they let it ferment. Um, in these kind of cisterns near the wine press, once they put it into this wine skin, it would still continue to ferment to some degree. When it ferments and, and continues to make more alcohol inside of the wine, it releases gases, which makes it mm. swell. And if the wine skin was brand new, there was some elasticity to kind of the fabric or the tissue of, mm. the, of the skin, so it was able to swell. Which is right. just like what a new Christian does. It stretches, yes. <laughs> yeah. But if you put, and after a certain point, the wine stops doing that. Hmm. But if you put new wine, which is, is going to continue to ferment for a little while and make alcohol and make gases, if you put new wine in an already stretched wine skin that cannot stretch anymore, when the wine begins to, to let gases out, the skin can't stretch anymore and it'll actually rip the skin of the wine skin and it'll waste the wine in the skin. Mm -hmm. So that's just on a physical level why they couldn't do that. So I've since thought about, and I've tried to do some research on this. I can't seem to find anything that proves this, but in my mind, let's just say they put wine in a wine skin and then it stretches and two years later they drink the wine. In my mind, I would not think they would throw that wine skin away. I would think they would still possibly use it for other liquids. I mean, you could store water in it. Um, you could put, you could use it as a, a holder or something to carry other stuff in. I can't find research that says that they did or did not do that. But so the idea is that you can put other things 
in an old wine skin and it'll be okay. But you can't put new wine in an old wine skin. So um, there's, I really wanted to get my mind around why Jesus would say these two things. He is talking about fasting. That's what this whole section is about. He's talking about fasting. So we know Jesus never wasted a word. Everything that he says is important. Why would he say this? Well, I wanted to find out. So there's a there's a a chapter in the Old Testament that a lot of people will refer you to about fasting, which is Isaiah chapter 58. And I would encourage everyone listening to this podcast if you you know feel led to go and read that chapter to try and help it paint a picture for you as to what fasting is, why we do it, why you know that kind of thing. But keep in mind this is the Old Testament. So in Isaiah 58, and we'll we'll um we'll put that in the description. Um, if you read Isaiah 58, there's some very interesting things in there, and God talks about what is a pleasing fast unto Him and what is a displeasing fast unto Him. And I don't want to put words in His mouth; you just need to go and read it. But if I could summarize it, basically, uh, it, it starts out with God telling Isaiah to kind of correct the people and to be his mouthpiece and to tell the people that they're fasting yet God says through Isaiah Isaiah 58 he says yes you're fasting you're doing all these things and you say God we fast but you don't hear we you know we're doing all these things to get you to hear but you don't hear and why would we fast if you're not going to hear why would we do this if you're not going to hear and so they're actually accusing God of not listening to them. So then God says, let me tell you why I'm not listening to you. Go. I got it right here. He says, hear this, O Israel. This is the Amplified. On the day of your fast, when you should be grieving for your sins, you find something you desire to do. And you force your hired servants to work instead of stopping all work as the law teaches. The facts are that you fast only for strife and brawling and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You do not fast as you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is a fast such as this what I have chosen, a day for a man to humble himself with sorrow in his soul? Is it only to bow down his head like a reed and to make sackcloth and ashes as a bed, pretending to have a repentant heart? So what that means is amplified. Do you call this a fast and a day pleasing to the Lord? So there's a lot there. We don't have time to get into all of it, but there's a lot there, at least as I see it. So as it reads, it seems at first glance in my mind to contradict itself. What God is saying is a fast. You know, God is kind of starts off getting on to them. You're fasting so that I will hear you. And it seems like at first he's saying, that's not why you should fast, so that I would he- I would hear you. But then later on he makes reference um, to have your voice heard on high. So it's, it, it's kind of like um, the analogy of, uh, of works. You know, we're not saved by works. We're saved t- to do good works. Mm-hmm. We don't fast to be heard on high. But when we fast the right way, we will be heard on high. So that's kind of how I handle that right there. But basically, the biggest thing that God has against the way that the children of Israel were fasting is that they, on the fast day, would do what they wanted. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was at least a selfish fast. It was a selfish fast. But do we do that? That's what I want to know. Um, where's the line? And this would be, you know, we'll, we'll speak with a friend of ours in a little bit, pre-recorded conversation, and she talks about a little bit of subjectivity and some decision-making, and I do too. But I, I think this would be a situation where there's some subjectivity. But where's the line? You know, a lot of people fast at work. That's something you have to do. It's not something you want to do. But is it okay? And and not that it's anyone's call to make. That's your discernment. But when you read Isaiah 58, I think it will help you and help me and help us zoom out and look at our fasting. Um, because God tells them, the fast that you're doing does not please me. This is why it doesn't please me. Because on a day where you should be devoting yourself to me, my work, my voice, my ways, my service, you're doing what you want to. Yes, you're not eating. Yes, you're praying. But you're still doing what you want to do, what you think you need to do for your life, for your carnal existence on earth. You're doing what you want to do instead of doing what I want you to do. That's the first thing he gets onto them about with their fast. And then God tells them what an acceptable fast is to him. And Elisa, I don't know if you want to read that. Yes, that's some good stuff. Okay. We're going to leave off. Let's see. All right. It says, Rather, is this not the fast which I choose, to un- undo the bonds of wickedness, to tear to pieces the ropes of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free? And break apart every enslaving yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked that you cover him and not to hide yourself from the needs of your own flesh and blood, then your light will break out like the dawn and your healing will quickly spring forth. So right there is some very specific things. And there's a promise. Mm Mm-hmm. If you do this fast the way I prescribe this fast, the way that's pleasing unto me, God says, then your healing and your light will break through. Yeah, so are you fasting for your own gain? Are you fasting because you want to do God's will, Mm -hmm. essentially? Whether that means repentance for something in your life or to help someone else. You're praying on behalf of someone else. I mean, he, he calls out the same things. Jesus says, feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, clothe the naked. And deny yourself, he even says, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh and blood. And free the captive. And free the captive. Break the bonds. Mm -hmm. So do we fast like that? I I never have. I've never fasted um, and taken concise action on the needs that are in my life like that. We can spiritualize it. We can say, well, I'm praying for this person. And... Maybe that's what it means. Maybe that's part of what it means. And maybe that's what it can mean. But when you read Isaiah 58, God says, do these things, you know, and he tells us what is an acceptable fast in him. Mm -hmm. Do we do those things? I never have. So then I'm wrestling with this scripture. And again, I would encourage everyone to go and read Isaiah 58 because I want my life to break forth like the morning and I want the healing to come in my life and not our family's life. I, I want mm-hmm. that. I want that promise of God. So I think it's worth, I mean, it, anytime God gives a promise like that and a prescription for what we need to do, I think we need to take note of mm-hmm. it. So then I'm wrestling with this scripture. Elisa's in Africa. She comes home and then 
I'm still wrestling with it and we're trying to work out our schedule when we can do a podcast. And then it's like, it just hit me one morning. It was so obvious. Well, Taylor, have you fasted? <laughs> or maybe if you're trying to understand what fasting's all about, why don't you fast? You know, <laughs> like it just hit me. Duh. Like, I know, why did it take so long? How many times do you think he's up there going, like, oh my gosh? I've been trying to get you. To... <laughs> I've been spelling it out for home chick up over there, and she ain't yeah. doing her home dude. So I'm wrestling with the scripture. And again, if anyone asked me, what is fasting? Why do we fast? How do you fast? I could give them a very confident, assured, biblically based answer. But there was something missing. There was something missing that I could not work out in this scripture. And because we do this podcast, I felt a greater burden to be able to speak about it and represent God's intent as much as I possibly could based on what he had shown me. But there was something missing. I could not wrap my head around this. Why would God be talking about a piece of cloth ripping out of a piece of old cloth when he's talking about fasting mm-hmm. what does that have to do with it what does that have to do with it and i'm not telling you that i have that all figured out but i know they're connected because they're together right so i'm trying to figure this out and so god tells me you know tyler you, you need to fast and i'm like okay and i've done it before i've probably the most i've ever done it would be two or three days in a row um so i was like okay i'm gonna fast maybe god will give me the answer and i felt like he would you know if i fast and i'll be able to seeking. hear him and you're seeking, seeking his his will, not yeah. your own. So, wouldn't you know it, on the day that I fast, my mom fixes these awesome... <laughs> Every time. You know, like <laughs> egg roll, like poppers, I think they're called or something. I never had them, but they smell is delicious. It, I was back, right? You were back. And yeah. I did not know you were fasting. This no. is the first I've heard of it. That's no. another thing that we got to take into consideration. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's scripture about that. And we just mm-hmm. can't get to all of it because this is a big subject. But Jesus says, you know, they fast in public and say, and let everybody know. And they put this bat, this sour look on their face and they, they look in turmoil for show. You're they fast for show. You're supposed to do it in secret. Supposed to do I mean, it you can do secret. it as a group. But it's, it's, not, it's not wrong or sinful if someone finds out. But to be boastful about it and right. to be uh, telling people about it, it means you're doing it for the wrong reason. So anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to fast. So I get a little hangry. Sometimes, you know, I mean, no. um, if I don't get a lot of sleep and I don't get no. a, and I don't eat, I get a little short and I'm sorry, God's still working on that about me. I'm not making excuses. I'm owning up to it. So anyway, I fast for a day and I walk and pray in the mornings and I read, I read and then I walk and pray. And that's when I really hear from the Lord. So after the day that I had fasted, I get up that morning and I read this same scripture again. I'm like, Lord, what do you mean? What what does all this mean? How does it connect? And I'm reading, and I and I really had been excited the day before. Man, I'm gonna get some revelation. And I was excited. I was like, Man, I, I, he told me to fast. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna read. It's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna walk, and he's gonna be like, Man, this is like I, I just was excited. I just thought I was gonna get one of those bombshell revelations. And so I get up. And I and I start reading, and I'm like, man, I just, I feel like I was drinking coffee, which might have been a mistake, but normal, in the past when I fasted, I've drank coffee, it's no big deal. I started feeling like I was going to, oh, oh. That's both dogs, both Ollie dogs and now. SSA. Hey. They probably see more dogs out the window or something. <laughs> so. That's an SS bark. So you fast. Go ahead. So I fast, and, and I, I start feeling puny i start feeling like i'm about to pass out 
And uh, I'm like, I'm trying to read, but I can't really read because I'm just so like weak. And I'm just like, man, I'm, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be like that morning. I'm just feeling puny and I'm just having a hard time. And so I read and then God's like, it just like hit me. God's like, you're weak. You're weak, Taylor. Look, you you got a podcast. You know, you... You, you went to survive in you, Africa. You, 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 you know, you play music on stage sometimes and... You know, you got, you know, you're weak, Taylor. Look, it's been a day. One day, Taylor. One day. Look at you. You can't even read this morning. You're weak. And That's a hard truth to hear. You're weak. That's exactly what I heard. God's telling me, Taylor, you're weak. Look at you. And so then, he hit, then it hit me. You know, we know the Old Testament is a physical representation for spiritual oh. truths. See, we wait, this is awesome. I so, haven't heard this. It's a physical representation for spiritual truth. That's why you can see Jesus on every page of the Old Testament. So if you could describe fasting, and this is what God gave me. If I could describe fasting in one word, what would it be? Humble. God showed me right then and there, Taylor, you are weak. You are nothing without me. You went one day, mm-hmm. and you can't even do it. So... If you could and describe, that's exactly what he's saying about that old with the new. It becomes weaker and it tears. And the only way that we can survive is with him. Mm-hmm. And when we deny ourselves those physical necessities, we suddenly can see how weak we are without him. Absolutely. And I think that is the starting point for all other points about fasting and then fasting, suddenly you could hear spiritually what you couldn't because all your physical needs was supplied exactly and when you think back to what we said earlier what is the point well like if fasting is to make your voice heard on high which i've thought that in the past to make your voice heard no that's not the point the point that god showed me was when you're humble i will hear you mm. when you're humble you will hear me when you're humble You will serve people. You see what I mean? Amen. Humility is the point of fasting. Because I thought I was humble. I even think in this moment that I'm humble. But there is a sense of pride that runs through the fabric of all men and Mm -hmm. all women, especially Western men and women. And it only took... And I knew, I knew, I knew that morning when God showed me, Taylor, you're weak that even that was not even near as weak as I could be. Right. And I knew that if I would have kept fasting, God would have driven home that point even more. He would have showed me even more. It's like I knew that, Taylor, you're just touching the surface level of the humility that fasting can bring. But I'm letting you know, Taylor, that humility will either bring you close to me or it will put a divide between you. Pride will put a divide between us. And then if you think mm. back to the garden... What is the original sin in the garden? It's not... Um, it's pride. It's pride. I mean, not in the garden. The original sin was, was Satan and having pride and wanting to be God and exalting himself against but God. But even God then, she was down. tricked because she wanted the knowledge. Yeah. She didn't trust God. She thought she could figure it out. So Eve, hers could be traced back to pride, but even before Eve sinned, yeah. the devil rebelled against God because of pride. Mm-hmm. So... God showed me that fasting can be summarized in one word, humility. And you know what? 
when we're humble and we pray fervently, that's when we're heard. Like humility is the key. Mm-hmm. And and fasting is fasting hands us the key. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the key that unlocks a closeness with God. And again, it's it's everything he does. Fasting is not for him. No. It's for us. Absolutely. And there's so much that we could say about fasting. It's such a big subject, but it all boils down to humility. Just like I said, fasting helps us hear him, helps us be heard of him. It helps us to see need. It helps us to serve people. Because think about if you really think about how pride changes everything pride keeps us from praying to god with a sense of urgency pride keeps us from hearing god because we're we think we're self-sufficient pride keeps us from serving people because we're too worried about our own stuff i wanted to add one more thing before we before we go on and talk with chasta um not long after i got back well just last week even we Mm -hmm. had been kind of talking about this and we wait and save a lot of this conversation so it's candid and Like, I didn't know all that revelation until just now. So we knew that we were going to be talking about this, but we hadn't really talked about it. And um, ironically, not so much, because we know God's behind it all. A book shows up in our mail, and I assumed he had ordered it, and I guess he assumed I'd ordered it, and neither one of us had ordered it. It was was as a result of us doing the simulcast um, Bible study with some of our youth. Um, When was that? couple months ago yeah and all of a sudden this book shows up that would neither one of us knew was coming and it says a hunger for god desiring god through fasting and prayer it's by john piper and so the timing is just it is it's crazy and there's some so quotes. when you're seeking i'm telling you god sent me a book <laughs> what else do you need you got a book i mean i you didn't got... order it and you didn't order it i don't really know what happened we haven't really gotten to read it yet. But. There's some good quotes in there. and We're out of time. Um, but, you know, there's we never really dealt with the analogies of the wineskin and the patch. Um, but basically, like Elisa said, uh, well, I think there's just some of that's up for interpretation. But in the example, Jesus is what is the old and the new would be the Pharisees represented the old and Jesus represented the new. Pharisees represented the law, the law of Moses, the Old Testament. Jesus represented the new, the the, um, the law of grace and truth. So Jesus was telling them, Pharisees, if you want the new, you're going to have to change your garment. Mm-hmm. And it, and you can't so add much. you can't add a new patch of grace and truth onto your old cloth of legalism. You cannot. They cannot coexist. Legalism and grace and truth cannot coexist. That's what he was telling the Pharisees. And then when you look in the second uh, example of the wine skin and the new wine, who is the new wine? Jesus is the new wine. And what he's saying is, is when I, you're going to need a new wineskin, you're going to need to be able to stretch. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to be able to confront some of these things like your pride. You're going to have to confront that. You're going to have to let me stretch you. You're going to have to be humble and be stretchable because my new wine is going to stretch you. You can't put gr- the new wine of grace and truth in the rigid, unstretchable, old mm-hmm. wineskin of legalism and Old Testament. And he was trying to tell the Pharisees that, of course. And it doesn't matter how long you've been stretching. There's always more stretching absolutely, to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. The single worst thing we can do as a Christian is to think we have arrived and we can't <laughs> learn. And God took me through that lesson afresh with this study in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what is fasting? What is the point of fasting? I would submit, based on what God has showed me, it all comes down to humility. Because God resists the proud, but He gives mm-hmm. grace to the humble. If you can be humble, if I can be humble, God will get us where we need to be. But pride, we might as well get out of the boat if, we are, if we're prideful. So that's what God showed me that's through all this. Stuff. And next week we'll finish Mark chapter 2. But Elisa, you want to... At some point I'm going to share about Africa, but... Yeah. I'm waiting on God's timing. That's right. We'll see. And we're, we want to speak with our friend Tony Mboa, who lives in Uganda, who's from Uganda. But anyway, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be with our guests for this week. So stay tuned. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening. If you've missed any previous podcasts or you got any questions, you can find out all our info on the website at www.2r1.org. That's the number two, the letter R, the number one. Stay tuned. We have a very special guest, Miss Chasta Stewart, and we're going to talk about the Avengers movie. Welcome back. Our guest today is my sister and good friend, Chasta Stewart. I consider her one of my best friends and actually a spiritual mentor. So I'm excited to see what she is going to share with us today. Um, She is currently working at a women's health clinic. She's a mother of three, ages 26, 17, and 8. So she has parented and, and currently in all different seasons, she's got three grandchildren now, too. So she is uh, very experienced, very, I would call her an expert in parenting. Mm-hmm. And her and, grandkids call her babe. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chasta. Hello. Thank you for joining us, Chasta. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So we uh, wanted to reach out to you about an article that we found. We thought you'd be a really good uh, point of reference for us. Um, A viewer of ours asked us a question, and I kind of discussed it with them, and then I thought, they they said, well, this might be something good to talk about on the show. And so then I did a little bit of research, and there's actually a lot of articles put out surrounding this. Uh, Basically, the article is about the new Avengers movie, Endgame. And it's, called, it's put out by the Christian Post. Uh, it's called The Avengers and Jesus. So the article not only discusses the newest Avengers movie, but it discusses all the Marvel movies, uh, well, several of the latest Avengers movies. And we'll put the link in the podcast description. But um, basically the article is written from a standpoint of a Christian Uh, And they delve into some specifics from the movie Endgame, and we know some of those specifics would be some language. There's also a specific comment that's made by one character that's talked about. Um, And then it also talks about some previous movies and stuff like that. But the article also delves into a lot of the kind of um, pictures of Christ that show up as kind of storylines and symbols in some of the recent movies, like the fact that the heroes are always willing to die for the for the greater good. They're willing to sacrifice their life, risk their life, and they talk about in the article how that is symbolic of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So the, the author goes to great lengths to try and uh, defend the good of the movie, but yet point out the parts that are problematic. So that's the article in a nutshell, but I wanted to get your reaction to the article, Chastin, just the way you see this entire issue. 
Um, first off, let me just start by saying that um, the way that we parent and the way that we view movies is not something that I do on my own. I have um, my husband, Craig, actually is a big influence in what we said is appropriate for our children and what are not. But in this article, it talks, the main thing that caught my my attention was there's a little sentence in there in, in a scene where the Avenger asks, who is your master? And the other guy's like, well, who are you expecting me to say? Jesus. And so because I haven't ever watched Avenger movies, I actually went and pulled the clip up and watched it. And just to see the reaction of everybody and what the context was in the movie. And in this particular scene, these guys are trying to figure out, are these people, they're fighting aliens or who are they? And so we ask them, who is your master? Because I think they're thinking, okay, aliens have a master. So they have, or either they're on some, one of those other event, um, superhero teams or something. And the guy says, Jesus. And for a second, it's real, you can, Go both ways. You can think, okay, is he being, is he throwing my, my Jesus's name out there as being offensive? But then you have to realize that the guy, just the fact that he said Jesus makes you realize, okay, he's human. Like he's from planet Earth because Jesus mm-hmm. is who our ultimate master would be. And so at first when I thought, okay, this might be a little offensive. Once I watched it again, I realized in the context of the movie, he's actually stating truth. And probably not even realizing it. Mm. Um, another thing that I thought about this one particular comment is that even if the writers did a mean it to be sarcastic, um, this movie I think is like a pretty big deal. <laughs> I think <laughs> in the boy it world, seems, it seems like it. I, I think that lots of little boys watch this movie, and I find hope in the fact and the promise that you know God even told Joseph, "I'm got what." Joseph understood is that what men intended for evil, God turned into good mm-hmm. towards the end of his life. And so if you have little boys who live in a home who the name of Jesus is never whispered, that they haven't had the opportunity to understand that there is really only one master in our world, and it's Jesus, they're going to hear this name, and he's going to plant a seed there. That's a good point. Um, and so— we all know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And if little boys are like the little girls and they watch movies over and over and over and over, I know Cole did when he was little, um, he could pretty much quote lines to movies. And how cool would it be when they say, who's your master? And they have to say, you want me to say Jesus? Mm-hmm. Because that means they're speaking his name back. Mm-hmm. And so even though in a place, in a time where it's a fictional world, um, God planted the truth that there really is one master. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I did, because my son is 26 and he doesn't live at home anymore, he's a big boy, um, I pulled my two girls in. I'm like, okay, y'all, let's look at this and y'all tell me what you think about this. And at first, my 17-year-old said, that could be a little offensive. And then my 8-year-old said, are you sure who wrote this movie, Layla of Jesus? <laughs> and I said, well... I'm not sure, but what will we do in this situation? And so if you find yourself in this movie, um, I told, we talked about how God could use that. You can watch this movie and you can walk out and go down to Starbucks and grab a cup of coffee and say, you know what, let's talk about what was your favorite part of the movie. Well, let me tell you 
I do know this man named Jesus. And so we talked about how you can even take whatever situation God gives you. And even if there's a place where you feel like there's an offense to Jesus, he's always going to give you the time to turn around and make it right and share who he really is. And so we used it this morning as a learning experience because I was like, okay, I want to know y'all's viewpoint on this. Um, And we did not watch the movie, but we didn't watch the movie because Craig and I are, um, we're at a place where we don't, we don't enjoy sitting down and having to muddle through a bunch of bad language and bad scenes. And we don't go to movies that we don't take our kids to. And so that's why we didn't watch this movie, I would assume, because I mean, like I haven't even come up in a conversation in our house, not because probably my husband wouldn't want to see it, but he knows that the language is going to be a a factor for us and probably some of the violent content. I, I don't really know. I don't, I didn't watch the movie, but so Chasta, what would you say, and I'm just trying to, I'm always trying to look at things from multiple angles. Obviously our center is the truth of the word of God. That's our center. That's our foundation. That's our starting point. Uh, but what would you say to someone, and you know, we hear this all the time from young people, that those are just words. What would you say to someone about that? that they're, they're just words. They're just adjectives. How would you kind of see that? You're talking about the cuss words? Yes, the bad language. Um, I am such, from growing up with or raising all three generations of my kids, I've always been a firm believer, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I not shelter my children from. But when we select movies or we select um, whatever entertainment we choose to go with, uh, we always try to realize that we don't want to put our kids in a situation that they don't hear at home. And so they don't hear that kind of language at home. Um, But we do teach them how to not form opinions if you're in a place where you're with someone and they do say ugly words. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Like you said, you're not sheltering them. Right. I mean, they're aware that they're ugly words. But my kids also think shut up and stupid are ugly words because they're not kind words. So we don't say those in our house, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's, it's really more so on our beliefs. And, and, and I believe in the power of words. Mm-hmm. I just do. And so we try to teach our children, Craig and I both, that we are, are to be reflections of Jesus and we are to encourage but we're also not to put people down because they don't understand the mm. power of their words either. We're just supposed to be a lot. So we just don't say that. Amen. I love words. that. And so that's, but that's the way Craig and I parent, you know, um, are words important? Absolutely. But I also think that the love that comes from us in response of those words and in response of, of in this particular um, article about how Jesus, how that one sentence is portrayed, our response is going to show his love as in tender and mercy, or it's going to show the world that we're angry because somebody said something about our Jesus mm-hmm. and what's going to really pull people to Jesus, love or anger. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jesus doesn't so. really need us to defend him so much as just no. you know, trust him with all that and, mm-hmm. and love him and love his people. That's everybody. And I agree with that. I do think. You still there? 
Yeah, I'm okay. here. I do think that there is a place in the kingdom and for the defense of Christ for righteous anger. We've talked about this, and I know everyone in this group of three would, would agree with that. But, you know, there's a plate like seeing children abused should make us angry. That's uh, should, true. It sh- we, should, we should want justice for um, the guilty and for, uh, uh, justice for the innocent in that situation. And so there's a place for righteous anger. But when you're talking about bringing people into the fold, you know, like something you mentioned that's super important. People that are lost really don't understand or don't know any better and so you have to your reaction can either push them away or pull them in closer to Jesus I completely agree with that Mm -hmm. Um, you know I I had a friend who um, she had a women's Bible study and and, and God brought a a woman who was just starting her walk with Christ and she said she remembers she would pray and she would finish praying out loud with the in the group of like five or six girls and she would say, I'm so excited. I didn't even say one single cuss word in my prayer. (laughs) And so to somebody who that has been such a reality to finally be able to praise the Lord and not cuss to her was, was a victory. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to see the world for where it's at and love the people where they at. Jesus told us not to be up, of this world but we do have to live in this world and while we're here he wants us to do as much good and bring as many people to him as possible and that's part of it yeah and and we can't forget that there is many scriptures especially in the proverbs um and jesus's own words that talk about the power of words that talk Mm -hmm. about um you know in proverbs um, the eyes are the window to the soul and the ears you know, um, power you know, and yeah, power of life and death in the tongue. So a man thinks in his heart, that's what he is. You know, there's tons of scripture that say everything that you've said, and um, certainly there's accountability, and will be accountability on the parents for what we allowed in, and what we didn't, and and all of that. So there's responsibility for the parents as well. Here's my favorite thing about what you've said, I think, is that you don't knowingly expose your children to things that are not what you practice in your house, but it's going to happen because, again, we live in this world. So instead of trying to shelter them from that, and I'm guilty of this where, you know, we'll be watching, it can be a PG-rated movie, and they'll still throw some uh, innuendo or Mm -hmm. slide something in there, and Taylor will point it out quick and be like, kids, you know why this is wrong? I'm like, shh, they would never even know if you didn't point it out. But you should use those things as a learning tool to say, okay, why is this wrong, and what can we do about it? You know, I think too many times in in our generation, I feel like our parents didn't want to have those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, That's right. And and I just think that's a good point. And one thing that I have found um, with having three generations of children is if you'll go, if you'll talk with them about the hard things, they'll come to you later in life with their hard things and they won't take the opinion of their friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. If, you know, if mom and dad were willing to talk with me about this at age six, then they'll be willing to see me through. If I can't talk to my kids, I'm going to send them to you, Aunt Chasta. That's that's good right there because (laughs) Chasta, that's what every parent wants is for their kids to bring their hard things to them. So how do we, how do we create that situation? That's that's probably the best wisdom on that I've ever heard. If you go, if you talk to them about, you know, the hard things in life, they'll bring their hard things to you. I think that's amazing advice. 
I well, really the, do. But you also, as a parent, you 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 have to have a good game face too, because when they bring those hard things to you, you act all surprised. Yeah. Like, oh, because they okay, won't do it down. again. They won't. Yeah, that's, that's true. right. And mm-hmm. so that's ultimately what it's about. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's about a shepherd and our children into into the shadow of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus never said, don't ask questions. He likes our hard mm-hmm. questions. And so our kids are full of them, mm-hmm. but they live in a world where they're thrown so much. And so I feel like one of the most important things we can do is live a real life in front of them. Mm-hmm. Modeling. And, then, and then advise them on the situation they're in. Like, um, you know, a lot of people, sometimes you hear a lot of, um, some people make fun of the fact that, you know, Easter is a pagan religion or, or whatever. But God told Moses, I can use what's in your hand. Mm-hmm. And he used that staff to go up against Pharaoh. And, and even the magicians tried to mimic it. God got the glory out of what was in Moses' hand. So if I can hold an empty Easter egg and explain to a kid that Jesus' tomb is empty, I don't think God's going to hold that against us. But it's teaching our kids to find Jesus in no matter what situation they're in. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we, we should turn everything back to the gospel. Yeah. We should. That's and, a, you know. I think that we, and we can use movies like this to actually reiterate that with our children, that you can't sit through here and look. And just think of all the people who've never heard the name of Jesus, but it's going to play in their, even for just one line, it's going to play in their living room over and over and over. And one day they're going to say, okay, what, what? What? Who is? Who? Who should I serve? And that one line is going to come back and mm-hmm. remember it. And just to wrap it all up, I, you know, I want to say that Elisa and I, you know, while we're in agreement with everything that you've said, we did allow our kids to watch it. We took I, them to I it. I haven't seen it. I, mm-hmm. I took Grace into it, and um, you know, we talked about it. Um, and that that is another situation where we can not always agree on every single specific issue as far as how to let it play out in our lives or what decisions we make as parents and still be in agreement on the major tenets of the faith and uh, mm-hmm. and the gospel there's going to be differences there's going to be and thank thank god that he allowed there to be differences otherwise this life would be extremely boring um and you know i think it's I think there's just going to be some of that, and so many Christians get hung up on small details like that. Uh, I agree with everything you've said. I chose to let him watch it. I felt a peace about it, Um, and that's that's the individual choices that we make. But I do agree with everything that you've said. Um, I think there's power in words. I think we have to be careful, and we have to use them as teachable moments. And I certainly agree with the... um, being honest with your kids, even about the hard things, for, even at a young age. But um, yeah. thank you so much for joining You're us welcome. and for giving us that wisdom. I, I mean, I feel like I've grown yeah. as a parent just I, in this I one conversation. I always learn something when I talk with my yeah. sister, that's for sure. Well, I love y'all, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. I'm sure we'll have you back if yes. you're willing. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll have to get Craig on here, too. Yeah. Yes. yes, absolutely. Yes, He's got a absolutely. Lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Right. Bye, right. y'all. Bye. Love ya. Well, that was an awesome conversation with Chasta. I Chasta. love her. She's just amazing. What? Isn't there another nickname that the kids call her? Glitter. 
Aunt Glitter. She sparkles for Jesus <laughs> wherever she goes. And she was always genuinely just like that. Absolutely. She's not putting on any front. That's how she approaches parenting. She has so much wisdom. And I just, I love getting every piece of it I can. And and really, she would have been great, too, to talk to about this issue of fasting. Oh, yeah. She, um, she's, I've, I've been able, I've been fortunate enough to kind of be able to fast along her sometimes. And we saw real movement. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still, I was only on a level one, and she was probably on mm-hmm. level six. But, yeah. She's a, she's a very big proponent of discipleship. She's been mm-hmm. walking the Lord a long time. Um, she's a prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves deeply. She's passionate about young people. And uh, Elisa and I both had her um, middle daughter in class, and, and uh, just the whole family, Craig. They're just yes. awesome people. They love Jesus, and they love people. They love people. Which, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Some, Sometimes people love people and don't love Jesus, or they love Jesus <laughs> right, and don't love people. But. Right. <laughs> Right. But anyway, it's just been a great podcast. I know it's been a little longer than usual, but that's okay. You can break it up. Hit pause. Go back. That's right. Anyway, thank you again for listening, for joining us. And um, hopefully next week we can, we, if God uh, tells us to, we'll, we'll delve into the subject of Africa. But if not, we'll just hold it for when he wants us to. But we love you and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.